Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, if you don't have a traditional Bible and you're comfortable in raising your hand, do that. We'll bring you one you can either borrow or you can keep. It's our gift to you. You can also open your smart device to the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and we've already uploaded all the notes and all the scriptures. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, love you guys and so glad that you are a part of our family. So every year, Gallup runs uh, what they call a global emotions report. And uh, last year's revealed that Americans are more stressed, worried, and angry than they've been in over a decade. In fact, Americans are more stressed and worried than almost any other country in the world. The only countries that rank higher than us are Tanzania, Greece, and the Philippines. Listen to some of the results from the from the poll that they ran. 55% of Americans said that they felt stressed the day before they took the survey. 45% said that they worried a lot more than they don't worry. Uh, more than 20% of Americans said they regularly feel excessive anger. Both psychologists and sociologists agree that the state of America's mental health is not only unhealthy, it is unsustainable, that something has to break. In an article entitled America's Insomnia Problem, it was revealed that 65% of Americans are regularly losing sleep due to worry and stress. Chief among their stressors are healthcare, saving for retirement, student loans, mortgage rates, inflation, gas prices, credit card debt, and in the threat of a new global pandemic, American emotions are at a boiling point. And so I want to talk about that today in a message that we're calling, Why Are You Worried, Bro?, Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. We thank you that we can turn our eyes upon you, that regardless of what's happening in our lives, regardless of what we're surrounded by, God, regardless of our unbelief, that God, you have given us an ability to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever see, than we can ever ask, or more than we can even hope for. And so, God, today I pray for my friends in this place that you'd help us take our hurt, take our worry, and help us to cast it upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. And and so when we thought about what it was that we wanted to talk about next, what is it that we wanted to come out of a pretty intense, uh, pretty detailed series on a biblical book, what is it that we wanted to talk about? And we... We kind of do some group think around here, and so we, I kind of throw out there to our team, hey, what is it that you think? What is it that you want? I talk to Pastor Dallas a lot. I talk to Pastor Dallas because Pastor Dallas is a person of peace for me. He's, uh, he's uh, I'm high stress, he's low stress, and he's going to talk about stress next week. So it's, uh, what's amazing to me is uh, I look at Pastor Dallas like he is, he is my person of fun. If I want to laugh, if I want to smile, I don't even have to talk to him. I just have to think about him. Just close my eyes and I think about Pastor Dallas. I go, ha, 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 
just, he's laughing somewhere at that point. And so I just threw it out there to him and I said, hey, what you, here's a couple things that I'm thinking about. And so we landed on this idea that for 10 weeks, we're going to talk about emotions. I think you're feeling emotions. I think that you're overrun by emotions. I think that the tool of the enemy in this, these end times that I predict they are, that the thing that he wants to do is get us so worried, get us so stressed out, get us so anxious that we begin to kill each other, that we begin to devour each other, that the church would begin to fragment and fracture from within because we're so worried about our own thing that we've stopped thinking about his thing. And it's amazing to me how much the Bible has to say about our feelings. It talks a lot about how we can control our feelings rather than having our feelings control us. You ever feel like your feelings control you? Even worse, you ever feel like your feelings control everyone around you? <laughs> Before I went to, through Journey to Wholeness, which is our counseling program that literally, I mean, over a thousand people just here in Green Bay have gone through. Uh, before I went through that program, there were times that I felt like my feelings held the people around me hostage, held my wife, Pastor Sonny, hostage. It held my kids hostage. It held our staff hostage, almost like I was such a such a, a boiling pot at times that people would gauge how they were going to act or how they were going to react predicated upon how they thought my feelings were. That, that if I came into the house at the end of a work day and I, and I was angry or if I was anxious, then that, that would determine the temperature or the climate of our home for that night. But if I came into the house and uh, I was happy and I was upbeat, then all of a sudden uh, we were playing board games and we were having dinner around the table. But if I came in the way that I said previously, then people would scatter like roaches when the light went on. I felt like my feelings held not only me hostage, but the people around me. Learning how to handle our emotions is critical. It's crucial, not just for our emotional health, but for our physical health. Like extensive research has revealed that our minds and our bodies are linked. How you feel emotionally can determine how you feel physically. Like, like have you ever had somebody say to you that they're worried sick? That it turns out that that's not just a figure of speech. Uh, that emotions release hormones into our bodies that can trigger the development of diseases. Researchers have linked depression to an increase in both cancer and heart disease. Anxiety has shown a direct correlation to heart palpitations, irritable bowel syndrome, and massive migraines. Uh, the emotion that we're talking about today, though, that, that's my jam. It's, it's my go-to. It's my, it's my Achilles heel because I worry a lot. In fact, when I'm not worried, it worries me. <laughs> I worry about everything. I worry about my health. I, I worry about uh, my wife, Pastor Sonny. I worry about my kids. I, 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 just, I just know that something bad is going to happen to me or that something bad is going to happen to them. I, I have the benefit and the curse of traveling a lot. And, and so uh, sometimes sleep is a struggle for me. I, I don't... I've never normally been like a long sleep person, which doctors tell you, you know, if you don't get eight hours sleep in a night, I think, gosh, I wish I could have been a doctor, because apparently doctors must get a lot more sleep 
than everyone else that I know. Because to me, I've never been a guy, even when I was a kid, that I just have never, I've never run on a lot of sleep. And, and then when you, when you change time zones a lot, that definitely uh, impacts or affects your sleep. There was a period of time uh, uh, where I was addicted to non-habit-forming Z-Quil. Have you ever heard of, of Z-Quil? And they tell you these little pills that you take. It's basically NyQuil for when you're not sick. <laughs> and then the box says, this is non-habit-forming. So I had it like every night for two years. I wasn't addicted to it, I know, because the box says it's non-habit-forming. And so there would be like times that I would, I would be like just... Le- laying awake in the bed at four o'clock in the morning, just worried about, you know, the fact that I had to wake up at six. Do you ever go to bed knowing you got to wake up early and so then you're worried about the fact that your alarm isn't going to go off? It's like daylight savings every day of my life. And so because I travel a lot, I worry about, you know, how am I going to wake up? And so I'm very conscious to take my phone and to turn it on airplane mode because I don't, like, I don't want a text to come through at 1 a.m. and wake me up. I don't, want, I don't want an email from Netflix to come in and let me know that there's a show that I might like and they do that at 2.30 in the morning for whatever odd reason. I didn't want that to buzz and wake me up. So I turned my phone on airplane mode so that it'll be silent when I sleep. Uh, but there are so many times when I wake up and I turn that airplane mode off, I just know that I'm gonna have a text from Sonny that one of my kids is dead. At least twice a week. I go to bed, I turn my phone off, I put it up on the nightstand, and I just know that when I turn that on in the morning, one of my kids is gonna be dead, because I worry a lot. I, I worry about my parents, I worry about my siblings, I worry about you all the time. I, wor- I worry about your marriages, and, and I worry about your finances, and, and I worry about whether or not you're being fed as congregants. I, I, I worry about when you come in here, are, are you going to feel welcomed? Are, is it going to be a warm environment for you? Is there going to be enough coffee when you get here? Because some of you, <laughs> if you're honest, you could go to church anywhere but you can't get a buddy barrel full of coffee for free. Some of you bring the world's biggest travel mug. Like I go, oh my God, is that a double big gulp cup that you just filled with coffee? Just take the carafe and just bring it in with you. And in the middle of the message, just do the (laughs) Don't do the You know when it bubbles when you're done and then look around like, 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 hey, where's the coffee team? This thing is empty. We know it's empty. You are filling a thermos cooler full of the coffee. So I go, oh my God, are they going to make enough coffee? And is there a place for them to sit? And Like I worry all the time and it's exhausting. But fortunately, Jesus said a lot about worry. Actually, a big portion of his message, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, it addressed worry a lot. In fact, three times in Matthew chapter 6 alone, Jesus repeats three words, do not worry. Verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. In verse 31, he says, so do not worry. And then in verse 34, he says, therefore, do not worry. Anytime somebody repeats something three times, you do well to pay attention. And I think that he talks about it three times because he realized that there would be three days that the majority of us would worry about. 
yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, so I want to take a few minutes and, and I want to talk to you about what to do with those three days. Number one, put yesterday's worry in its proper place. So many of us worry about yesterday. What happened yesterday? What you said, what you did, what they said, what they did. You ever think about what somebody said yesterday? You, you think, oh my God. And it just consumes you. And you, and, and you may not even know. Well, the worst is text, isn't it? You ever get a text? I hate texting. I hate, I hate, I hate it. Uh, Sonny loves two things, Marco Polo and talk texting. She sent me a four-minute talk text the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is awesome. But I felt like I needed to get a sticky note so that I could, I could keep track of what the three things that I was supposed to do, because I don't know how to rewind them. And so she'll do the, that's an old guy thing to say, by the way. You go, you just replay it. But anyway, it's just she loves the talk text. But I hate texting because you, you can say anything on text and you can sound like the world's biggest creep. Or you can sound like the world's nicest guy. And sometimes I don't want to sound like a creep. And quite honestly, sometimes I don't want to sound like a nice guy either. So sometimes you, the translation, it gets lost in that. And so sometimes, you ever get a text? You just think about it think about it. And the more you think about it, the more you think about it. And then the more you think about thinking about it, the more you get worried about it, the more you think, well, I wonder, I wonder what they were thinking when they sent that. And, and we're such a non-touch culture now that rather than pick up the phone, well, I mean, I guess we're always carrying it. That's an old head statement too. Remember you said to pick up the phone? You know, when you used to pick up the phone and if it did the dial tone twice, you knew that somebody else was listening on the other end anyway. So you used to, you, rather than us pick up the phone and call the person that sent us a text, we just build this whole, this whole narrative about what was going on when they sent it, what their intentions were. And so we, we worry about what they said. We worry about the biopsy. We didn't get the results yet, but we know. We, we, didn't, we didn't get the results of the MRI, the CAT scan, but we're worried. We worry about the argument we had yesterday, the mistake we made, the mishap, the misstep, and we, we beat ourselves up. We, we tear ourselves down. And so many of us let yesterday derail our today. I, I've been on a little bit of a health journey these past few months, thanks to my friend, Pastor Barry, who did uh, prayer. I was so motivated and convicted simultaneously as I watched him get healthy that I had him help me start a health journey. But, but last week, last week I let some stress and I let some worry derail my momentum. I, I, I had a few days where I fell back into bad habits and I got caught up in emotional eating. Anybody else ever have emotional eating? You, you bask in Hershey syrup Chick-fil-A sauce. Thank God they're a Christian company and those calories are redeemed. I could... <laughs> is Chick-fil-A sauce the greatest thing that has ever been invented? I don't know if it's good on cereal, but it's good on everything else. It's like, oh my God. But there's like a million calories in one of those little packs. I like to take their uh, grilled nuggets and douse them in Chick-fil-A sauce because why would I want to eat healthy grilled nuggets? And so, like, have you ever gone through a counseling session 
uh, with, your, with your two therapists, Dr. Ben and Dr. Jerry. And I just like, I, I had a day where I was, I was like worried about stuff. You know, both of my kids are getting ready to leave for college. I'm getting ready to be an empty nester. And it's got all these different, you know, moving parts. And there's a bunch of really cool things that are happening. I'll talk about one of them during offering. But it's like, just because something's cool doesn't mean that it, it's worry-free. And, and so uh, I was leaving here one day. And, and right next to us, God strategically placed. Dairy Queen and Culver's. We are surrounded by his glory, is all I'm telling you. And, and, and so uh, uh, I, I went past the Culver's and they advertised the flavor of the day. And I didn't like the flavor of the day. So I did a, I did a loop. And I came to uh, Dairy Queen because they have a drumstick blizzard. I said, come on, Jesus. So I had a drumstick blizzard at noon. And then, you know, the day's been ruined. So I got pizza. And I had me three pieces of Jets pizza, which is Detroit-style pizza. It's deep dish, crusty crust. Whoa, in Jesus' name. So I, I had three pieces of that because you could buy it by the piece. It's probably seven million calories per piece. And, and then uh, and then I. Uh, my son Isaiah and I were hanging out, and then we went by a different Dairy Queen. <laughs> and I remembered how good that drumstick blizzard was at noon. So at three o'clock, I had another one just for good measure. And so, so I had like this terrible food day. Like, have you ever had just a terrible, like you, you, uh, you do something you regret, you, you, you kind of... You slide into something, you, you fall into, you look at, listen, partake in, and, and then because you are feeling guilty, the next thing you know, all of the good habits. So for three days, I was like a crackhead looking for a pipe. I was just like, oh my God, if I, if I, I had five blizzards in three days. I feel like I'm at, like I'm having, I'm at confession right now. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. How long has it been since your last confession? Five days. What have you done? I ate five blizzards. I feel like the Father, like uh, we have a new priest with the Packers. He's so cool. He's super young. So he's like, feels like super relatable. And I feel like, like if I told Father Mark, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Five blizzards. He'd go, bro! I can't help you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after three days, I got on the scale and I had gained almost five pounds in three days. And I stood on that scale and I had a choice to make. Was I going to let my yesterday derail my today? See, too many of us do that, but, but I'd like to propose to you that the opposite is possible. Rather than your yesterday derailing your today, your past can be your greatest tool in facing your present. How? By asking yourself one simple question. You ready for this? I'm here, aren't I? In other words, whatever you were worried about in the past, you survived it. You may be beaten, bruised, battered, even bitter, but you're still breathing. Why? Because God's got you. 
God's got this. All of this stuff that you're tripping on right now, that you're worried about, that you're overwhelmed about, that you think is never going to pass. The Bible says this too shall pass. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, he's talking to the children of Israel. He's giving a message from God because they didn't have text then. So he says, listen to me, you descendants of Jacob. Listen to me, you whom I've upheld since your birth and have carried since before you were born. Listen, from the moment you were conceived, God's been taking care of you. Then listen to what he goes on to say. Even to your old age and your gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I've made you. I'll carry you. I'll sustain you. And I'll rescue you. So before you were born, he was taking care of you. And until you take your last breath, he'll keep taking care of you. Uh, He was there. He is there. And he's going to be there taking care of you. If you're worried, put yesterday's worry in its proper place. Next, put today's worry in its proper position. Look again at the first thing that Jesus says about worry in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. See, I should have read that. He said, don't worry about them blizzards. You can burn them off. Don't worry about your body. Come on, anybody worried about their body, what you'll wear? Anybody worried? All the women are like, you better watch your mouth. What you'll wear? I know all the husbands, this is your spot for an amen. I'm just saying these aren't even my words. Isn't life about more than food and clothes? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, when you want to go to the store and get a new outfit. Like, he, he's, clearly, he's clearly talking about yesterday. He, uh, he's, he's, he's not, he's talking about today because yesterday is gone and our, and our worry is primarily about today. So to address that, he gives us two simple illustrations to prove that you can depend on God to take care of your today. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than them? Here's a question, it's very deep. Have you ever seen a worried bird? There had never been a bird in history who went to the vet to be treated for hypertension or for high blood pressure. There's never been a bird walking around going, all the worms are gone. (laughs) Threw his wings up talking about, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Jim ate all the worms. He didn't ever get around with all his little buddies and talk about, you know what we need to do to Jim? We need to kick him off the island because we're not gonna have anything else to eat. Because Jim ate, everybody knows you don't eat a whole worm. Eat half the worm. Let it be. It'll grow back. Jim done wrecked the whole ecosystem. He ate the whole worm. Now nobody's ever going to eat another worm. Okay, birds don't get together and have conferences about what they're worried about. Like, did you know there's over 18,000 species of birds? Like, if you were a bird watcher and you saw a different bird every day, it would take you over 50 years to see every one of them. If God can take care of 18,000 species of birds, Don't you think he can take care of you? Maybe birds isn't your thing, right? Okay, like my son Isaiah. He hates seagulls. They're like his nemesis. Because one day when he was like six years old, we're at the beach, and a seagull flew down and snatched a hot dog out of his hand. And for the rest of his life, he has hated seagulls. And so maybe maybe birds aren't your thing. So Jesus Jesus took you into account. He went on and said something else. He He said, 
Uh, and why do you worry about your clothes? See, the flowers of the fields, they grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. But still, I tell you, not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Again, I've never seen a flower worried. In fact, all of the flowers that I've seen with faces, they dance. I'm just saying. They got the little thing and they got... You know, you touch it, there's a song going on and they do all this, or they're a pen, and when you do the pen, they got a smile on their face. Nobody ever makes a flower. Nobody makes a sunflower who looks pissed off. I'm just saying, they always. I never seen a flower with one of its leaves on its forehead stressing, like, oh my God, who's gonna fertilize me? What if it doesn't rain? What? Like, they just wake up and do what they were created to do. Be flowers. Incidentally, there's 369,000 species of flowers in the world. And not only does God take care of every one of them, he picked out a different outfit for each one of them. So why are you tripping? Why don't you take the energy you're wasting worrying about stuff that God's already promised to take care of and put that energy towards something worthwhile? Like what? Well, in the next verse, he tells us. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He's saying, stop putting everything else everywhere else ahead of God. He's saying, whatever you focus on becomes the principal thing you see. If you focus first on money, you're going to worry about every dollar. If you seek health first, you're going to worry about every skin spot and every headache that you get. If you seek popularity first, you're going to worry about every critical word anyone says or posts about you. But if you seek God first, he'll handle all of that nonsense that has come around in your life. In other words, if you take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. So put today's worries in its proper position. Finally, put tomorrow's worries in its proper perspective. Jesus covers that perfectly with the final statement. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. You know, God doesn't promise to give you strength for tomorrow. He promises to give you strength for today. You don't need strength for tomorrow today because tomorrow's not promised. You know, there's really two days you should never worry about, yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow might never get here. Yesterday's a memory and tomorrow's a dream. You know, the word worry comes from an old German word, worgen. It literally means to strangle. And for some of you, your worry about tomorrow is choking the joy out of your today. Mark Twain totally understood that. He said, I've been through some terrible things in my life that never happened. Is that true for you? Well, Psychology Today wrote about a study that said 85% of the things that people worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, 75% of the people discovered either they were able to handle the problem better than they thought they would, or that the problem actually taught them a lesson worth learning. Have you ever had something that you were tripping on that when it was done, you were like, I'm so glad that that happened to me? Because in the midst of that, you learned some lessons, not only about yourself, but you learned some lessons about the Lord that you would have never learned had God not stretched your faith muscle. In other words, 97% of what we worry about either won't happen or it won't be nearly as bad as we think it will be. If you want to get rid of worry, you have to leave tomorrow alone. He, he's got it. 
Like he's, he's got you. There's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb that proves that. There's an empty cross and an empty tomb that proves there is no hill he can't climb, no problem he can't solve, no question he can't answer. All you have to do is seek him first because if you'll take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. Will you do that today? Do you close your eyes all across this place? You know, salvation, as we call it in the church, that is the first step of taking care of God's business. God's business is to seek and save the lost. God's business is that every one of you would repent, would spend eternity with him. God, God is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity away from him. The problem is that there are a lot of people who will choose to do so. You say, well, how do I choose to not be one of those people who chooses to not spend eternity with him? You submit your life to him. That's what salvation is. Salvation is when you realize that your life isn't what it should be, it isn't what it needs to be, and so you determine that you'll surrender that over to him. And I wonder if you want to do that today. We're going to give you the opportunity to. The Bible says you have to do two things ultimately to be saved. Number one, you have to confess. Number two, number two you have to profess. You have to confess that you are a sinner or you've got sin in your life, and then you have to profess that Jesus can change that. So this morning, we're, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that, and here's how. In just a moment, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. First, I'm gonna ask people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, but want one before they leave, to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand on. Secondly, I'm then gonna ask everyone in this place to repeat a prayer after me. I'll say a few lines, I'll pause. If you repeat those words and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says, that you will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. Did anybody miss anybody? I'm gonna ask everyone in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. I don't want it. Take it. You can have it. Please forgive me. Come into my life change me make me different make me new be my lord be my savior in jesus name amen with every head bowed and every eye still closed i wonder if you're hearing you say sean i'm i'm saved i'm a believer oh, but you're like me you worry a lot you know worry is an insult to god when you worry, you're basically telling god i don't believe that you're strong enough i don't believe that you're powerful enough i don't believe that you love me enough to take care of this thing. So I'm gonna take it out of your hands and I'm gonna hold it in my hands. And so if you're here today and you're like me and you say, Sean, uh, I worry a lot, uh, but I wanna cast those cares upon him because I know that he cares for me. With nobody looking around, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Good night, Irene. Father, we love you and we're grateful that you love us and that you care about us. Uh, we're grateful that no matter what it is that we've got, you got it. And so today I pray for my friends in this place who, uh, they love you, but maybe they don't trust you like they need to. So help us to trust you. Take their worry and cast it away. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our Message Recap podcast. Chew on that. 
The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.